there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Vitar, I'm live here in Northfield, Minnesota at the U.S. Health Freedom Congress. And we're going to be joined momentarily by, uh, he's known as Tanner's dad, Tim. He's done extraordinary work in getting the word out on uh, vaccine injury and autism. And Dr. Batar, here at the Congress, a lot of folks know you and are just wishing you well and saying, hi, how are you doing, Dr. Batar? So that's where we'll start. Well, it's, uh, that's very nice to hear. And uh, too bad. Uh, I'm sorry that I can't be out there, but um, it's great to hear that so many people are impassioned and uh, the movement is moving forward and the awareness is increasing almost on a daily basis. So that's fantastic. Yeah, you would love the folks here because these are the people that really love liberty and they're willing to go out on a limb to make sure it's secured uh, once again and restored. And I know you are all about that as well. Um, now, Tim, you met, uh, Tim Welsh, you've met Dr. Batari at Autism One before, I believe. Right, I've been to Autism One four times. Four times. Now, a lot of our, we're simulcasting on Periscope and Facebook Live right now, and a lot of folks already know you, big fans, and I'm a big fan supporter. I appreciate you so very much from the first time I met you and learned what you were doing. Uh, Dr. Batar, of course, you know one of the biggest issues is that still, as many people have been harmed, injured by vaccines into the autism spectrum, there's still that many more people that have no earthly idea that there's a danger. And what uh, he's known as Tanner's dad, Tanner's dad, Tim, uh, has done is made the social media network work for us to do an end around the old media to get the message out, get the word out. And, uh, Tim, did you have uh, technology in your blood before this all happened that you were able to take advantage of that? I've always enjoyed the technology aspect. I was, you know, the, the class geek, class president mm-hmm. uh, of, of the chess club and things like that. And, yeah. and I studied it, and I actually sold high-end, uh, high-definition systems when they first came onto the market. Mm. So was this a situation with, with the, the, what happened to your son that you basically said, you know what, I'm going to dedicate my life and I'm not going to stop uh, until everybody knows what's going on? I saw the regression of Tanner, um, his last words. Uh, 13 years ago, my name is Tanner, my name is Tanner after the shots, and then losing all verbal ability, and then I ended up having two heart attacks at 38 and came within an hour of dying. And so those two in combination, uh, really, I started doing a um, series of blogs as catharsis for myself to get over the things that have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Batar, have you seen, you know, with a lot of the family members, because obviously you've taken care of a lot of these kids over the years, have you seen the stress on these family members like Tim, the dads, the moms, and, and the, the health uh, challenges that they face with kids in this situation? Well, it's a tremendous amount of strain, uh, Robert. And, yeah, it's, um, I would say probably of the 2,700, 2,750, almost probably 2,800 kids now we've treated in the last 20 years, I would say probably a third of the parents end up, um, and that's probably a conservative estimate, about a third of the parents end up becoming patients in our clinic, most from a preventive state um, standpoint, but a lot of them because they're having some issues. Um, I think that one trailer from the, the lady from uh, Ireland that uh, that hasn't been released yet to the public that you saw, uh, you know, for the example of a lady, I mean, she was 
um, you know which one I'm talking about, the one that said um, didn't just save the child's life but the whole family. And she was she's just an example of many parents where they feel uh, she she was suicidal. Okay, and there are mm-hmm. many parents that have felt like what's if this is happening, and this is happening to my child, they feel like their life has ended because they have a lot of um, guilt. Mm-hmm. They feel responsible because they feel that they should have known better and they didn't. And and so there's a lot of self-imposed trauma, emotional trauma that they've created. Then there's a physiological stress of the financial burden and, and then all these other aspects that go along with it, you know, all the emotional, psychological, spiritual things that go along with it. And as you know, that there's, there's not that much that's needed for the, you know, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back type of thing. So many of these people have, just, they have the same um, history as the majority of the population. They haven't necessarily eaten at the best and they haven't been exercising and not something like this happens. And it adds so much more tremendous stress and that manifests in other additional issues. And the straw that broke the camel's back to elicit that heart disease, the cancer, the diabetes, whatever the case may be, um, it's, it's a cascade. It's an accumulation, as you know. So, yeah. um, in our in our practice, at least a third of the parents over you know six months, a year, two years, they end up uh, bringing their own issues uh, to the table. And they because the child is now better, they see the improvement, that they start recognizing there's things that we need to do before ourselves too, to from a preventive standpoint. And um, and you know, hopefully, that cascade is. Uh, something that other people will also start to experience where they, once the child starts recovered, then they can start to recover themselves. Mm. There's a lot of emotional problems sure. to overcome here. Let me, let me get Tim in here because he's lived this. Uh, what are you- With Dr. Batar, you're getting an answer where your child is being healed, and it's wonderful. But for a lot of families, they're dealing with allopathic medicine where they're getting answers from doctors that are just not satisfactory. Pat, pat the child on the head, give him an iron pill, send him on the way. Wow. And so to the fathers and mothers out there who first get the diagnosis, don't be mean to yourself. Um, we, we, mm-hmm. uh, we try to, uh, as dads, always try to fix things. And so what we do is we just become meaner and meaner and meaner to ourselves and just the stress levels go through this, the roof. And we do. We, we get to the point where... Um, people are committing suicide, mothers are killing children, fathers are killing children, and then themselves. And the society as a whole has to have that pressure, pressure relief valve of actually giving honest answers. Nobody is giving us a straight answer. You don't see you're isolated. You don't see yourself in the mirror on TV. 52% of likely voters are dealing with somebody with a disability now, and that doesn't count the people that have a disability themselves or that they had a child um, die of vaccine injury. Well, and also, you know, and Dr. Bertar, again, you've seen this, not, uh, not everybody has found you or other doctors in time, and there are, are parents that, you know, are aging rapidly under this stress and realize that when they're gone, there's nobody to take care of kids in this state, and there's no amount of money that's going to do it. I mean, that you know, some have posed the possibility that if anything's going to bankrupt the United States of America, it isn't being an empire, it's because we're destroying our children into the autism spectrum. Yeah, that's a very true statement. We've had um, probably, um, if it's not a dozen, it's pretty close to a dozen patients over the last probably 10, 12 years where that was the primary concern of the parents that brought the child to us. And it wasn't a child. It was a, you know, a young adult in their mid-20s, late-20s. Um, the oldest one was actually uh, in his 40s and had a terrible seizure disorder. 
Um, but the, the point is that that was their biggest concern. They didn't have any uncle. The children didn't have any uncles or aunts. So there was no siblings. There was no um, uncles or aunts for the parents. So they had the child had no uncles or aunts, and they had no uh, siblings. And they were concerned, the parents were concerned, what happens after we're gone because the parents were aging. And that was the biggest concern, to make the child or to help the child at least become self-sufficient to the point that they could ride a bus, you know, go to a, a vocation. Because at that point, in the mid-20s, you know, beyond that, the, the elasticity of the brain has reduced and there's very little. I mean, even if we were able to, say, completely mm-hmm. clean them up, the, uh, the lack of stimulation from that portion of the brain became... Um, traumatized or, or became under duress, if you will, but oxidative damage was exponentially increasing from the uh, mercury uh, introduction. Sure. The point is that whole time from the age of, say, six months, a year, two years, whenever it was, um, and of course we know it starts in utero, but till the age of 25, now the brain has lost so much of its elasticity, and now even if you clean the system up, um, th- there's been no ability, that's when we call it developmental, delay, that, that developmental mm-hmm. aspect has been arrested. And so it's going to take years, a decade and a half, two decades to catch up. And at that point, you know, because the reduced velocity of the brain, it's not going to be able to develop and learn all the different well, and a lot, a lot, a lot of Dr. Batar, a lot of parents are in that situation. And, you know, Tim, you know, you see this, uh, you know, if you look at the future for your son, it's like, I can't even imagine. That's that's the nightmare for all of us. That's the toughest question. Mm-hmm. Is, is no siblings? We uh, that's another casualty that we waited a while to have Tanner, and then we found out the issues, and and we had planned on having three children. So there's two entities that are not in this world because of the situation we went through with Tanner. We at that time we were told it was totally genetic, and so if we had more kids, they were more more likely to have. Autism, so we we didn't have it in those other kids, and those aren't there to help him mm-hmm. as he gets older. Yeah, again, that the, the misinformation or lack of information, however you want to call it, in terms of most of modern medicine, still in the denial. Last hour, we talked about that. The physicians, even the filmmakers out there, not like the Vax team, that just refuse to look at it because they treat this modern medicine and its dogma as a religion as opposed to a science. Yeah, actually, this is a very interesting point that. Uh, is brought up here. You remember at the last Autism One, um, I guess 2015, where Robert, you and I were together and spoke, and you remember that parent that stood up, the one that uh, has been going under treatments at our clinic for a couple of years now, where the mom said the first time that where the, the son talked to her. You remember that? Yes. Okay. Well, that lady, uh, it's really interesting because the, the story that she got from Mayo Clinic was uh, basically the same thing that she was told that it was genetic mm-hmm. um, because she was actually pregnant at the time. And they said that the, her, her child, Joe, that we're treating, um, he was, uh, I guess, four at the time, five at the time, and she was pregnant, and they told her that she should abort. She should, have an, uh, she should elect for an abortion and abort the fetus because the child would also have autism. And her and her husband were in there. They walked out. The husband had agreed. She said, no way. She, she disputed it. Today, she has a six-year-old little girl that's completely neurotypic, completely healthy. And her husband, you know, says, he said, I, I agreed with the doctors. I, I was going to go ahead and, and say, let's go ahead and abort the fetus because they didn't want to have another child with autism. And, and the mom felt, this is the same lady that stood up at Autism 1, and she said she knew in her heart that there was something else to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
So it's, it's a, and, and, and her daughter, the six-year-old, is, they didn't do any vaccines. She's completely healthy. You know, mom um, took certain precautions before, beforehand. And so this is another fact that... This is, this is, I don't think you and I have ever talked. No, I don't think so. And, and, and Dr. Batar, this is another message for all of our listeners and watchers on Periscope and Facebook Live. And Tim, you know, the, the moms could save us. They could save their intuition, their gut. You know, and how many times have I heard it as well? And Dell's mentioned it. If only I'd listened to my intuition instead of the dominating doctor who tried to tell me it's not real. What we have is a diploma and a degree. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert will be right back. Making sense out of medical propaganda. Here's Robert. We're going to be going to see a screening of the movie Vaxxed right here on the St. Olaf campus in Northfield, Minnesota. We got Dr. Batar. It's Advanced Medicine. Remember, if you ever miss an Advanced Medicine Monday, you can go to medicalrewind.com, a real easy place. Hundreds and hundreds of hours of uh, Dr. Batar and I doing Advanced Medicine on the radio. And we have uh, Tim Welsh, Tanner's dad. Tim, he's known as. Is that the handle on Twitter, at Tanner's dad? At Tanner's dad, yeah. Yeah, at Tanner's dad. And you'll follow him there. You can follow me at RS Bell Media. Dr. Batar, he's even on Twitter, at Dr. Dr. Butar, B-U-T-T-A-R. Tim, you had an interesting question on the break of Dr. Batar. Go ahead and read it so everybody on the radio can listen as well. Well, Dr., I technically would have been diagnosed with Asperger's growing up that I had a number of issues, speech therapy, uh, gut issues, and uh, the typical nerd extreme growing up. But it seems like the mainstream media and the establishment keep watering down everything to do with autism. And last week I saw an article, and I can't give you the, the link to where it was, but they said that they're claiming now that all men basically are on the autism spectrum. And then there's groups out there called uh, Autism Self-Advocacy Network where there's very well-spoken, slightly uh, different individuals that say autism is a gift and that nothing should be done as far as treatment goes. And I was just wondering from a medical point standpoint in your view what you thought of this discussion going on. You know, Tim, this is a, it's a, it was a great question, and I thought that this is something that we should talk about on the air as opposed to just in private, because here's what's really interesting. Look at the two counterpoints here. All men have autism. This is one, one group saying. Another one says that it's a gift. So are we seeing that all men are gifted, which means that all men are, you know, uh, above and beyond reproach because they're gifted? Well, we know that that's ludicrous. Um, I think that to say that um, autism is a gift, I think that... Every child that is given to us anywhere on the planet at any time is a gift. In whatever shape, form, you know, color, condition, that is a gift. To say that autism is a gift, that is uh, a very interesting but naive point of view because, again, let's define what autism is. Autism is mercury toxicity on board a physiology that has a genetic predisposition for the inability to excrete. To say that that's a gift, that's not uh, very astute. To say that people that have the physiology of an autistic child, meaning they have a genetic predisposition for the inability to speak, based upon my 
criteria based upon what I have seen and observed over the over 20 years now that the same genetic allele, the same polymorphism that occurs in an individual that provides the inability to excrete seems to be on the same allele, the same uh, chromosome that defines raw cognitive ability. So yes, I do believe that children that have autism are cognitively superior to the peer group. That I, I agree with. But to say that it's a gift, that's absurd. Because here's the thing, these children that have this genetic predisposition for the inability to excrete, were they in an environment that was free of mercury, would never have that damage that would ensue, that would prevent them from being able to be verbally expressive or, or whatever the other uh, aspects that they have that are, that are um, negated when they're mm-hmm. exposed to mercury. So yes, they are cognitively superior, but to say that it's a gift, no, it's not a gift to be, t- uh, to be poisoned by anything. No, so, to be intoxicated. Yeah, I'm sorry? Yeah, I was just wanted to, to reiterate what you just said. It's like it's not a gift to be poisoned, to be intoxicated, to be damaged with mercury or anything else. That's where we've got a, a discussion that uh, I think you said, was it you, Tim, in your, dis- in your presentation today said about the people who are saying autism is a gift? You had something to say about that. Again, the I think they've done us a favor with this discussion in the fact that um, with the DSM-5, they've narrowed the diagnostic criteria and what actually is autism 1, autism 2, and autism 3. And all three of the categories going from the least to the most impacted, um, all three of those require assistance of some sort and are very much classified as a disability when they first come to you as a patient. So... Um, I guess but, you know, they still classify them as psychiatric disorders. They are not considered to be physiological medical disorders. And that's a very, very key point that they're still saying this is a psychiatric diagnosis. And this is one reason that I would point back to that movie, Mercury Rising with Bruce Willis in 1996 that was done that really shows what this issue is all about. Yeah. And the movie in many different metaphorically and, and accurately depicts really what the situation is. All right, folks, we're going to continue here from the U.S. Health Freedom Congress. Vax is going to be shown later. we got Dr. Bittar here. You can find him online at uh, com. his international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. We may actually get into something called homeoprophylaxis a little later for those of you who are freaked out and think, oh, my gosh, there's nothing else after vaccines. Live around the world, The Robert Scott Robert Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. Information is so good, it requires no expiration date. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Links are up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. I think we got some pictures up there with uh, Andy Wakefield, Del Bigtree, and Tim Walsh as well. And you can see Dr. Batar. One of the pictures, he's in his scrubs. And boy, he's got those big guns. And he's not carrying any metal. It's just those massive biceps that Dr. Batar has uh, taking care of everybody. But... Uh, what was it? We it, Tim was interesting, wasn't he? I mean, fascinating. He's got such, uh, you know, I hadn't even heard of that story where they're saying all men have autism. So we're going to, Super Don, that's your, your homework. you got to find that link. Uh, but uh, the, the watering down of the autism diagnosis, we've kind of talked about this before, but it's good to bring up again. Well, I think it's really interesting, Robert, that they're politically, from a political standpoint, they're watering down the diagnosis, and I think it's because it's, it's a, right along the lines that you and I have talked about where they're struggling to um, create this case for vaccinations. And the instance of autism is 
increasing from one in 10,000 in 1991 to now in 2016, 25 years later, one in 40, one in 35, depending on statistics you're reading. And so it, they're, they're basically, you can't claim that this is a genetic epidemic anymore, which they tried to initially claim. So I think what they're doing is politically almost making it socially acceptable to have autism. By saying, well, every man has it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's, um, it's another way of trying to take the attention away from really where it should be, that these children are being poisoned, and trying to say, hey, there's not really an issue here. It's, it's all men have this, and it's, uh, you know, we've, we've got better ways of diagnosing it and, and by making it socially acceptable, almost, almost making it acceptable and, and it's normal to have this. And this is an uh, indication that from a political standpoint, they're trying to uh, reduce the significance of what's going on. Because as you said, the statistics are, this could be devastating enough to make the country go bankrupt. Yeah, it's the crumbling of the country. No, no standing army or invading army has to take us out. We're being taken out by vaccines. Exactly, exactly. And I don't remember what the exact uh, study was. It was a study done a number of years back, almost uh, eight years ago, if I remember correctly, that said they estimated the cost of taking care of a child with autism, including uh, loss of productivity and the parents, loss of revenue generation from the child, you know, becoming a... Uh, contributing member of society, et cetera, et cetera, over the life of a child was estimated at about $8.5 million per child. And this incidence of autism now, you know, the, the higher in, uh, incidence as it's increasing, just take that times 8.5 million per child. And that's eight years ago, so with inflation, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, can you imagine the cost, the financial burden that's coming down on the nation? No, it's not. Not to, not to talk about, not to even mention the emotional, psychological trauma and burden that's coming down. Mm. Folks, there's nothing normal about autism other than disease and chronic disease has become the new normal. And it's, it, you know, it's not something we accept here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Dr. Batar certainly doesn't when people come to see him or kids are brought to him. Uh, we want to talk about real vitality. And, you know, the vital force is something that Hahnemann talked about in homeopathy, and it's that plus factor. It's that real essence of where life is, that spark. Uh, we talk about it also as movement, you know, that if, if, if you stop moving, you're not alive, ultimately. And all of these things that are happening uh, to destroy our ability to move about the Earth cabin are bringing an end to our lives, not, uh, you know, uh, facilitating a new beginning, as they say, here's a newborn Give them the hepatitis B shot instantly before they leave the, uh, uh, the the birthing room because they might get a tattoo with a dirty needle. I mean, the, the absurd way that they're treating uh, humans brought onto this planet. Yeah, that's exactly right, Robert. And something that more and more people have to become aware of, they don't tolerate it. They don't allow this absurdity to even become a talking point. At that point, they will be able to start making headway and start mm -hmm. to reduce the incidence of autism. Yeah. Now, I, I want to acknowledge a lot of people who are new to this message. Maybe you haven't been listening to Advanced Medicine with Dr. Batar here on the Robert Scott Bell Show for years. <clears throat> a lot of folks that are finding out through Vax that the vaccines might not be what they've been t told that they were. And then suddenly there's a scary moment for some folks, a lot of folks that say, wait a second, I've been sold that the only way we are alive, the only reason humanity is alive is because of vaccines. That's how strongly they've been sold. And they realize you know what, that risk of getting the vaccine might be worse, but now I'm scared because I don't no, nobody's talking about anything else to do. And they feel like they're, you know, a victim next of the disease that they say they're going to die from, even though the vaccine risk is much worse. 
So I bring up homeopathy and I bring up the term homeoprophylaxis because we're joined now by my friend Scylla Whatcott. And she, what's the name of your book again? There is a choice. There is a choice. Homeoprophylaxis. Homeoprophylaxis. And, and Dr. Batari, you and I have talked about it. You use homeopathy as well. And uh, can you quickly, last uh, in Dallas, we heard a number of speakers that had firsthand knowledge of what happened in Cuba with the uh, leptospirosis. leptospirosis. Tell everybody again. This is great. Uh, in Cuba, where leptospirosis is an uh, annual epidemic, they typically vaccinate the entire population. And in 2007, 2008, they had multiple hurricanes come through. They were not able to roll out the vaccine to all the uh, members of the communities. So they decided to try homeoprophylaxis, and they distributed it to about 2.3 million individuals. And Unprecedented. Never been done before. That's correct. Yeah. But Cuba is quite supportive of natural medicine. So they were able to do this and they had a precipitous drop in the incidence of uh, leptospirosis in that region while the neighboring regions had an increase in the incidence of leptospirosis. And they've continued to do experiments with dengue fever, hepatitis, quite a few different epidemic diseases Mm -hmm. uh, with great success. And I understand that there was a second-year benefit, too, to the... That's correct. It continued to drop. The incidence continued to drop. So we're going to have Dr. Uh, Isaac Golden talking about some of those studies at the conference this year. Right. So, yeah, folks, go to St. Pete, October 7th, 8th, and 9th. You're going to tell us a little bit about how to do that. But, Dr. Batar, isn't this cool that this information is finally getting out? That the concept, like we said, we're not opposed to vaccination per se. I mean, the idea of somehow stimulating a defensive uh, posture for your immune system, that's not bad or wrong. It's the way they're doing it that is so devastating. That's absolutely right. And, you know, this whole process... If you think about it, um, Robert, I don't know why I just had this epiphany. If you think about the actual original thought process of vaccination, it is a homeopathic principle. Think about it. You give a very, very small level of inoculation to an individual to elicit a systemic response so that when they get hit with the brunt of it later on in life, it prevents them from having the problem. That's a, is that not a homeopathic principle? That's correct. It's just been taken to a place where the additives, the antibiotics, the preservatives, the foreign uh, the, proteins. The that toxic are, substances. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and also the bypassing of normal in, encountering through like uh, mucosal layers. Like exactly. Like pierce it and inject it, and it's not the way you normally go through life. Exactly, exactly. So homeoprophylaxis. So the whole principle. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, homeoprophylaxis uh, maintains that principle. But it's a green, a green method. There's nothing in it but the disease itself. It's attenuated or weakened to a point where... Can't ever cause you the actual exactly, disease. Exactly. They just did something recently in Mozambique with... Um, with uh, there's this information I don't think has been publicly released. Uh, I'm involved with a researcher uh, that uh, was involved with this. But basically they took uh, Artemisian mm-hmm. and they took some crystal with... Um, an energetic off the malaria virus, uh, malaria uh, spike, and basically what they ended up doing was creating uh, ampule that the person wore around their neck. Now this is all energetic based, which you know basically wow. is. I mean, they, they were able to prevent uh, eighty. It's like eighty-two percent incidence of malaria in Mozambique, and they were able to in the population that they had wearing this. I don't remember how many people it was. It, it was a few hundred people, and they had no incidence of malaria. And then they took. Um, the ampule off 
and a number of the people started getting sick, and then they put the ampule back on. The, the, is this something that wore around the neck? It wasn't even introduced into the system, but just the just the signature of the energy of this artemisian with the crystal mm-hmm. that had the malaria um, uh, energetic. Dr. Bittar, I mean, it's a shocking thing for materialistic reductionist, uh, you know, molecular uh, munchheads, for what I'm going to call them. You know, they can't conceive that energy affects matter. Of course, uh, you know, we can show them all the reasons why it does. And I remember utilizing, you know, because I was trained in homeopathic drainage or drainage, right, the French approach. So we would always drain the liver. We would work with the liver first. And there were people that were so hypersensitive, even to low attenuations, like 10x Uh remedies, right? And they were having crises they were like dumping things so fast and and so they would put a drop of the of the remedy in their water until taking six drops and even then they'd take a sip of the water and be okay some people were so sensitive they couldn't sleep with it next to their bed bed table right i mean that's talking energy like how do you explain that but that that reiterates uh, the reality that energy is ultimately everything right absolutely and and it's not going to fit the pharmacy people don't accept it they don't talk about it and it all goes back you know, it's, it's so amazing to me that there was a phrase that my um, old lab director said once to me. He said, he who controls the narrative dictates history. Mm-hmm. And this all comes back to the flexion report and the yeah. complete elimination of the history of homeopathy being used in the Civil War for treatment. And it was considered uh, as mainstream as mainstream medicine was at back right. then. Yeah. Right. All that historical perspective has been erased and nobody remembers it. Nobody talks about it. Right. So, you know, that that individual, who he, he who controls the narrative, dictates history, is a very, very true statement. And hopefully we are recreating history now by really putting the truth, uh, putting the truth out there so people really know what the true history is. Yeah, I think the Rockefeller and Carnegie Foundations are not really happy with us about now. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to meet you in person, Dr. Batar. Oh, I appreciate that. I, I look forward to it myself. Yeah, well, she's. I think that the, those, those foundations you're talking about, though, I don't think they've been happy with us for a long time. Well, okay. Yeah, it's true. All right. I was trying to say maybe they're, you know, Johnny come lately to this uh, message, but you know, you're right. They probably are not upset. Well, yeah, for a little while anyway, but it's fun to be able to talk about these things because the people deserve it. And if, and of course, honestly, let's see the people within those foundations are now seeking this kind of information. They are personally seeking this kind of care for themselves, their families, their loved ones, but they can't come out and say it. And just like uh, uh, Dr. Wakefield said uh, last hour, Andy, he said, you know, the doctors know it, and they're afraid for their their livelihoods to come out and say it. Uh, Dr. Batar, to your credit, of course, everyone knows you are not afraid to say it. You say what is right and true and maybe hopefully provide uh, inspiration for others. Uh, you know, because uh, Andrew Wakefield's last name became a verb. They said, you know, if you speak of this, you will be Wakefielded. But that didn't stop Dr. Batar from speaking out, and it won't stop him the next segment. When we come back to wrap it up, we'll also let you know how you can participate in the homeoprophylaxis conference coming up and the truth about cancer, where Dr. Batar will be as well in Dallas. You know, in, uh, yeah, in Dallas, too. So we'll be right back after this break to wrap up Advanced Medicine. Rockin' the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hi, back at it with Dr. Rashi Batar. We are here doing advanced medicine live from the United States Health Freedom Congress. After the show, uh, Vax, the movie is playing here at St. Olaf College. 
Silla Wakat also joined us. A nice surprise to see you. Uh, every time I come up to the Twin Cities, I try to connect with you, and she's got her homeoprophylaxis conference. I hope everybody plans to attend. Uh, Dr. Batar, you're going to miss it by a week because you're not coming back till Dallas, and, and then we'll see you at the Truth About Cancer healing event. So that'll be awesome, too. Excellent. Yeah. Now, Silla, uh, you were mentioned not only the 2.3 million in Cuba, but you said there were some observational studies of 20 million in India using homeoprophylaxis. That's correct. And uh, Dr. Srinivasulu Gadugu was over that study, and he will be coming to the conference to share some information with us. And as a result, India adopted homeoprophylaxis as an option for vaccines. So people do have a legal alternative in India. Wow, that's stunning. Yeah. That is great information. Yeah. We have two Indian doctors coming. The other is Dr. Mohammed Rafiq, and he's going to be talking about the scope of mm-hmm. homeoprophylaxis in India throughout mm-hmm. the country, and then Dr. Gadugu will be about Japanese encephalitis. Now, both India and Pakistan, homeopathy is a mainstay of medicine. That's it? correct. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. And we do, we're just we're on the mend here, Dr. Batar. We're a little slow, but hopefully we'll catch up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, real quick, uh, uh, Scylla, how can people attend the Homeoprophylaxis Conference in St. Petersburg, Florida, August, I'm sorry, October 7th, 8th, and 9th? That's correct. They can go to worldwidechoice.org slash conference, and they can sign up there. Um, I have a special offer for residents of Florida. I'd mm-hmm. like to give them 25% off the uh, admission fee. All they have to do when they register is type in Healthy Florida, all uh, one word, no spaces, lowercase, okay. at checkout, and they'll get 25% off the admission fee. All right. Healthy Florida is the code, all lowercase, all together. Okay, that's cool. Correct. And I'd like to also make a special offer to your listeners. Mm -hmm. So the first five people who email you, and you can give them that address. Well, I'll tell you what. If you go to the website, robertscottbell.com, there's a place to put comments in. And if you say you want to attend the HP conference, first five people that do that, 50% 50% off. 50% off. So, so not Robert, a- you'll you'll let me know, and then okay. I'll extend that to them. Okay. So, uh, folks, robertscottbell.com. Thank you for doing that for our listeners. And, yeah, and those, those of you who love advanced medicine with Dr. Batar, this is one that we want to hear from you because Dr. Batar might not be able to make it at this one. So uh, he'll want to hear from you. So thank you for that. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, Super cool. Very nice. I would I would take advantage of myself, Robert, if I was. If- I know you would. I, I listen. This is really cool stuff. I mean, you know, we try to stay our fingers on the pulse of a lot of things, but what Scylla's on to is really the future of medicine. It's energy medicine. It's homeopathic medicine. The nosodes, the homeoprophylaxis, and it's something I'm so glad. You know, like many things, we've been able to talk about a little bit. We're able to talk about it a lot more than ever before. It's like the resistance is falling. Right. Right. Can I share with you some of the speakers that are going to be at the conference? Sure. Um, Tatiana Obukanich is the keynote speaker. She's an immunologist who will talk about a hypothesis, how homeopathy works in the immune system. We're going to have Alan Phillips, who's the leading attorney for vaccine exemptions. We're going to have Deborah Gambrell, who's an osteopath from California. She's also a pediatric anesthesiologist, and she's Mm -hmm. going to talk about her observations with children who've been vaccinated coming out of anesthesia and some points about the future of vaccinology. Then we'll have our two Indian doctors I mentioned. We'll have Dr. Ronald Whitmont, who's an MD and a homeopath, talk about the gut biome and how that plays into immunity. Mm-hmm. We'll have Sally Fallon, the head of Weston A. Price Foundation, talking about nutrition and developing immune system. Cool. Uh, Dr. Uh, Golden, Isaac Golden, will be talking about current I met him studies. last year. Great guy. Yeah, yeah. excellent. 
And then I'll be talking about the scope of HP, uh, all the applications, uh, children's diseases, epidemics, short-term epidemics. I'll be offering a training to any practitioners who are interested in putting it in place into their practice. So those people that take the prerequisite of Dr. Golden's course online will be eligible for free training that will be an exclusive group at the conference. Hey, Dr. Rattar, I'm thinking all the folks that went through your advanced medicine training would, would really love this. I think I think you're right. They probably would. Yeah. How can we get the word out to them, Robert? I don't know. Ask Dr. Batar. We'll see. You. I'll get you the info. Well, we can. Yeah, we can post it on our advanced medicine. Great. People know about that. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. Well, that's a wrap. What a great show uh, from uh, the U.S. Health Freedom Congress. Dr. Batar, thank you for rolling with us today. And uh, again, we're learning a lot each and every week here, and teaching a lot too. But uh, I love every new thing we get. So thank you, Scylla, for being on board as well. Thanks, Robert, for having me. Hey, Dr. Batar, do me a favor. Tell them what they need to know before we sign off. The power to heal is unequivocally yours. (laughs) Yes, it is. Thank (laughs) you. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show.